Grab your hard seltzer, a glass of wine, or a shot of tequila. It's time for Girl Talk. Let's get real. And we're back. Guess who's back, 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 back again, again, again. Fine and Cheryl are back. <laughs> Drinking buzz balls. Again. again. <laughs> Still looking for that sponsorship. We are saying. so talented. We are. Uh, did we want Marshall Mathers or buzz balls? Um, or both? I'll take both. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that just attacked my ear. That's one of them. And <laughs> songs. Nat. Oh, it really is. Maybe that's a sign from the universe. We have a sponsorship coming from Eminem. That's Detroit Pride. True. Let's go, Marshall Mathers. Yeah. I mean, I lived there for over 10 years, so I can say Detroit Pride. Yeah. Yeah. Of course you can. It's my other home. There you go. This is episode lucky number 13. Ding, 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 ding. I love the number 13. My mom was born on March 13th, and she turned 13 on Friday the 13th. So 13 was always a cool number in my family. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank I you. can say that really mean it this time. <laughs> yeah, that didn't go exactly how it was supposed to the first yeah. time, but that's okay. That's okay. That's why we drink. My youngest daughter, her favorite number is 13. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. She gets super offended when she goes to hotels and there's no 13th floor. Yeah, I don't know why. That, I mean, it's still the 13th floor, even if you don't call it the 13th right. floor. It's right. just silly to me. No. I wonder if there's a hotel with a 13th floor. Ooh, good question. We will have to look that up. Yes, we will. Because I would like to take her to one. I bet those, like, spooky haunted hotels purposely oh, have sure. a 13th floor. I'm sure. Speaking of spooky and haunted, we had a little adventure. We did. This last week. We did. So much fun. So we went downtown Dallas and did the nightly spooky tour of, uh, did we go to three? One, two. Three pubs. Three different pubs. And, and all the buildings in between. Mm-hmm. Heard about lots of Dallas history and lots of spooky stories and yeah. didn't see any ghosts. No, I still got to look through my pictures. I haven't looked through my pictures yet. Do you have you? No, no, not yeah. closely enough. I still want to go through all my pictures, but... I was very impressed. I have to say, Nightly Spirits, their host, Matt, did an excellent job. Like, he was very knowledgeable without being over the top, but Mm -hmm. still engaging. Like, it wasn't cheesy. It was just really cool information that I I didn't even know about my own city. Yeah, he did. He knew so much. And then I did love the way that he shared it because it was just like we were, because we actually were just sitting around having a beer Mm -hmm. talking about it. And and he made it seem more of just a conversation than, here I am with all this knowledge. Let me impart it on you. Right, and, yeah. you know, he asked for our stories, and it was really fun. It was. Fun. It was like hanging out with, with just a group of friends and, mm-hmm. like, you know, having cool discussions. Yeah. It was very cool. We highly recommend it if you're in the Dallas area. Yeah, definitely. We Called uh, Nightly Spirits. Nightly Spirits. I said nightly. Yeah, I said it wrong. It's Nightly Spirits. Nightly. And I don't I know. said it right. Maybe I did. How many buzz balls have you had? I'm, I'm still on my first one. This is all natural. <laughs> did you like my French? I did. <laughs> that was natural. Yeah. I'm fancy sometimes. Was that, was that Southern or was that Louisiana French? <laughs> Maybe. Okay. Natural. Oh, you, natural. Yeah, every once in a while your Southern just pokes its little head out. That's when I feel like being fancy. 
That's, I definitely equate fancy to Southern accents. Obviously, <laughs> especially when you do a French Southern accent. God. That's a lot to put all together, but. Clearly. Yeah. I'm here for you. You know what is a Southern accent that is fancy, though? What? Georgia. That's true. Because of the whole Southern Belle thing, I feel like. Yes. Right. Yeah. The, I love the way the Georgians yes. talk. Oh, oh my so God. I love it. It's oh. beautiful. That was really good. Thank you. I well, you know, I was born in the South, so. So you can do all the Southern accents? I can, no. I I cannot do Louisiana Save My Life. To save your what? Uh, life? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> your life? I can do Arkansas. Oh, let's hear it. Come on. Let's go. They draw out their, it, it's literally one syllable, but they'll turn it into 12. <laughs> Even if they're not whining? Because to me, that just sounds like whining. No. Huh. No. <laughs> Even when they're not whining. Got you. Okay. Yeah, they really draw out their words. Yeah, now that you say that, I don't know if I know anyone from Arkansas. So I, I am not familiar with their accent. Yeah, hmm. it is. It's different. That's cute. But yeah, Texas, Arkansas, and Georgia are the only ones I can do. I can only do Tennessee. Oh, look at you. Because that's, well, that's where my grandma's from. Oh, so. that's true. Yeah. That's the only one I can do. My, yeah. my British accent's pretty amazing, if I might say so myself. Oh. Isn't it? I'm, like, yeah. practically British. I felt like I was in a Harry Potter movie I, right then oh and there. Gosh. Yeah, I don't think that I have any other... So my kids and I have this little thing that we do where we do accents. We call out a country or an area, mm-hmm. and we do accents, and I've been told that mine are really bad. <laughs> really bad. <laughs> Basically, everything sounds Jamaican. <laughs> and all comes You just say man and yeah, everything? Yeah. Okay, man. <laughs> wait, 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 here's California. Yes, let's serve man. <laughs> yes. I don't even mean to. They all go, mom, it, you're not Jamaica. Like, I don't know. I don't know. You're just destined to go to Jamaica. That's all. And the only reason I can do Australian is because I just say, Crikey! <laughs> no, that is not right. <laughs> One more time, one more time. You got this. Third time's charm. Crikey! There it is. There it is, Steve. <laughs> the first you... time in Southern. Oh, if Steve Irwin or fuck <laughs> Steve Urkel, <laughs> did I do that? <laughs> that was really good. Thanks so much to be edited out. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> I think you should leave it in. No. We'll <laughs> okay, so did we mention what we're drinking? Because I think we kind of did. We did. During our little freestyle moment at the beginning. But let's go into more detail because this lovely Texan beverage has made its way into our hands once again. Yes. It's amazing how it does that. It's almost <laughs> like it just rolls in our hands. Get it? Buzz falls. <laughs> You're um, so crafty I know. with your comments. I, I just don't notice. I mean, I knew it was women owned, but I like the little women owned on the side. Oh, just, it does say it's women a, yeah. owned. Hmm. It says shake it, which shake I it. did. I shook shake both it. of ours. What so, are you drinking? I am drinking the Chuck Teas, which is vodka, orange wine, and cream with natural flavors. And it is, uh, to me, it gives me a little bit of a Kahlua taste. It does. Yeah. 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 I almost want to put it in my coffee. Ooh, that's not mm-hmm. a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? 
I'm drinking horchata, mm. which I love. Yes. I, I think the chalk teas and horchata are my favorite. So my natural flavor is chocolate, and your natural flavor must be a little yeah. And so they must all start with the same base. Maybe. And then f- use natural flavors to turn it one way or the other. Huh. Maybe we need mm. to experiment and see if we can replicate with mm. some No, we were probably going to fuck that up. Yeah, that's true. We'll just keep buying. <laughs> us with something super gross. <laughs> super gross. All right. I just got a text from my husband saying, thanks for leaving me with no gas in the car. Remember when I just went to the gas oh, station and said, you were and gonna said gonna I was going to get gas and got distracted by chocolate? And Sour Patch <laughs> Kids and a few other things. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so... On this episode, so we were talking about, we actually had this conversation a few weeks ago, and um, as we were having the conversation, we decided that it would be really something that we should record about, because mm-hmm. we had a whole lot to say, and um, and as we frequently do, we have two very different um, views yes. and experiences with this, so we had found this graphic about the difference between being trauma bonded to someone and being in true love with someone. And when I read through the graphic for me, it fit perfectly with my ex-husband falling under the trauma bond. And then my current boyfriend being the true love. And I read them and had two separate experiences. Right. And then I shared you could see that the clear division. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And then I shared that with you and you had a whole different view on it, which I thought was cool. Right. So for me, as I read through it, it was, it wasn't my, you know, ex-husband of 20 years, at, pretty much, at, you know, it, I mean, a, some of it could have been, yeah, could have been, right. been, but it was basically mine and mine and my current husband's, my new husband, <laughs> it, it was our relationship started on one side and morphed to the other, which, and I'll explain later rarely happens Mm -hmm. and not recommended, but we had where you had two separate. I saw where ours went from super, super toxic all the way over to a better situation all in just one relationship. Yeah. And I had never thought about that, but it it makes perfect sense now that after you explained it to me and thinking back on your guys's relationship, it made perfect sense to me. Exactly. I mean, you've sat with me many times with me crying in, you know, in my beer, literally, (laughs) you know, through the, through the toughest of times, Mm -hmm. you know, all the way to my wedding, which was the most emotional high of times. And now our relationship isn't perfect, but it is, we're better than we ever have been. Like I don't go a day without laughing hysterically or being silly or just smiling ear to ear. Like, but, but I think, do you think that you guys started off with that traumatic bond just because your relationship started in such an unconventional way? A hundred percent. It was kind of a surprise. A hundred percent of you. And not to reveal too much because of his story, because my story, I'm an open book mm-hmm. with, with our listeners. Right. But with his story, he was going through something very, very traumatic. Right. When we first met and I was going through something, I was going through my divorce. And so I was, you know, losing my family after 20 years. He was going through something that was literally 
pulling the rug out from underneath him in his life, mm-hmm. you know, on, on his side, it, it kind of just like both those events kind of pushed us together. We were, you know, in the same house under the same roof and we ended up bonding and kind of being each other's support during those, you know, times that were hard and that naturally led to physical attraction. And how many movies have we seen where they're not supposed to be together, but you know, they help each other through something or whatever, and they end up being together and, Oh shit, we messed up, you know, that type of thing. Right. Right. We've seen that movie after movie after movie. It's a common theme. Yeah. Common theme. And that's kind of what we lived was, you know, we weren't supposed to be together and those traumatic events pushed us together and through that support, we ended up, you know, with a physical relationship. Right. And then we definitely, we definitely had feelings for each other all those years. I, beyond. I mean, I can't, I can't deny that. Mm-hmm. We definitely fell for each other, but it was, it was very unhealthy in a lot of ways, the way we fell for each other. And luckily we hit, you know, we, we hit rock bottom and we ha- almost had to. And we got to that point in that relationship where we bonded through trauma. Mm-hmm. And we got to that point where it's like, okay, either we just go our separate ways and start to live healthy, happy relationships with other people, right. or we figure this the fuck out because we cannot continue down this path. And we both, we, we, took some time apart. We had to come to Jesus talk with ourselves, with each other. We basically decided that, look, we've tried this. We've broken up in the past. We've lived apart in the past. We've, we don't want to go through this life, no matter how long it is with each other. We don't want to go through it without each other. Mm -hmm. And then once we made that final decision, it's been a night and day difference. Like, Literally, it was like it's like also in that movie, the movies where the clouds part right, and the right. sunshine comes yeah. in. I mean, that's how what and you can probably attest to this. That's how stark difference our relationship was before we made that decision and after we made that decision. Oh yeah, but, as a as an outsider <clears throat> watching it happen, it was incredibly apparent. Yeah. Not that you were bad for each other before you made that decision because you obviously loved each other, but what had brought you together was still a little rocky and rearing its head in ways that wasn't allowing you both to, to heal and move on in a healthy way. Right. And then once that happened, it, like you said, it was night and day. Definitely. As we go through each of these points, I know you'll share your stories of your two mm-hmm. differences and I'll actually, when it's my turn, I'll share how how we morphed through each of those mm-hmm. and got over to. I think what we realized is that through our trauma bond, we developed a true love. Mm-hmm. And like I said, not recommended. Do not stay in unhealthy relationships. Uh, like, hoping. Hoping. Right, right, yeah. Because what happened to us was so rare, so completely you know, out of the, not out of the blue necessarily, but not a normal occurrence, I should say, not a normal occurrence. So I don't want to give anybody hope and have them, you know, stuck in a trauma bond. I don't want that. Right. Right. 
But has it happened? Yes, and I'm living proof that it has. So, so it can happen, but I, I think the difference between, well, I can speak for myself, the difference between my ex-husband and being trauma-bonded to him <laughs> and your situation is that you both realized what you were in and you both realized you wanted to make it work. Yeah. And I feel like frequently with people who are trauma-bonded, one of them is invested and the other one isn't, and that's where the bond comes from, the traumatic Part yeah, of it. 100%. So if you if you both can put in the work, then I feel like there's a chance. But yeah. holding on to something, an idea of what something could be with someone is really unhealthy. But since you guys both worked so hard and you both knew that you wanted to be together, that made it work. It has to be an equal effort. Oh, yeah. And in any relationship. For sure. But especially one that starts as a trauma bond because mm-hmm. that's not a healthy way to start at all. And right. I'm, I'm fully capable of, of admitting that. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, you worked your ass off for six years. <laughs> yeah. Both of you. Both of you. I don't mean yeah. that singularly. No, yeah. But both of us did. But it definitely was, was not easy. And there were some really, really low times that... Mm-hmm are from these points that we'll discuss when we discuss the difference between trauma bond and true love. Mm -hmm. And like I said, we're one of the rare cases where we made it to the other side. Yeah. And and I would love to hear from other people if that has happened, you know, how often does that happen? Because like I said earlier, my first instinct was that trauma bonding is with an unhealthy relationship. And then true love is with a healthy relationship but that doesn't mean that it has to be with different people if you're willing to put in that work. And so I would love to know other people who have had that experience yeah, and, and, and had it work out. Exactly. Yeah. I would love to hear from other people that have had the same experience as me yeah. because I, I would venture to guess it's not that, you know, common. I would, I, I would venture to guess that you're yeah. absolutely <laughs> correct. To read the differences between the the two different columns are night and day. Yeah. And to think that one couple could go from one place to another is pretty amazing. Yeah. And a testament to your guys' love, obviously, for each other, that you're willing to work that hard to jump from unhealthy to healthy. Well, and like you said, it took both of us to realize that, look, there's all this trauma bonding shit and all Mm -hmm. this unhealthy shit, but underneath it, there is true love. We just got to sweep all this shit out of the way right. so we can get there. Yeah. We got to get down to that foundation of true love. And that's what, you know, inevitably that's what we did. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. That's interesting because I feel like I'm right at that spot in my relationship with my current boyfriend, but not because we started bonded in a traumatic way, but just because we recognize where we came from and we realize that we do have remnants of those unhealthy layers Mm -hmm. that we still need to shed to make sure that true love stays intact and healthy instead of letting those layers resurface if that makes sense yeah no total sense yeah yeah cool yeah all right well let's uh let's break down the first point um you want to start you want me to start you can start okay so 
So for the first point, if you're trauma bonded to someone, then it says the relationship starts with instant attraction and irresistible chemistry. And I feel like that's huge. We see that all the time in books and movies. You know, that's passion. That's beautiful. That's supposed to be an amazing way to meet Mm -hmm. someone that spark, you know, love at first sight. But I think it's that's so much of a chemical reaction. Yeah, that, that we mistake for. Yeah, feelings. Right, right, and it, it's probably I don't know the percentage, but if I were to guess, I would say you know, sixty to seventy percent just physical. Yeah. Oh yeah. Feelings that that then your brain gets that dopamine going and those endorphins are kicking and you're like, yeah, that's love. And it's, yeah, exactly. I'm so happy. This is forever. <laughs> and. And I think that clouds our judgment really quickly when you have that, not that instant attraction is horrible, but when you have this, this irresistible chemistry that is so strong physically that you don't take the time to, to go deeper and see what else is there besides that, you know? Yeah. Because you think that instant, like deep, deep connection and, you know, or that deep attraction or whatever you, you mistake that for, like I said earlier, you mistake that for feelings. You mistake that for, you know, love in your heart or Mm -hmm. there's gotta be something there. I think that's the, that's the phrase that comes to mind most often is I wouldn't be feeling this way if there wasn't something there. Right. And that's so misleading. And and we'll get into this in a minute because we want to share each of our views on this mm-hmm. point. But with with trauma bond, it's it's such a intense. It's not a connection that's like intellectual no. or it, it's just that that connection of you know. Well, in my case, it was we were connecting over traumas, and and both of us like he understood me and I understood him and you know, holy crap, someone gets us, you know, and, mm-hmm. and then the, the physical connection after that, we, we mistake that, or we take that example. And then when we meet someone that on the true love side, which we'll read in a second, we consider that the boring, well, there wasn't a, a spark instantly. Yeah. And so it's like, one is like, Whoa, and the other one's like, eh. right. And- which isn't the, it shouldn't be the case. No, because the the stability in the latter is actually healthy. It just doesn't right. seem like it for various different reasons. But I, I think so many stories that were told and so many beautiful movies about true love, you know, they have that that spark that, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. love at first sight. Yeah. And it's amazing and it's beautiful. So it makes you feel like it's supposed to have that grandiose excitement to it. Right. And, and it does, I, I feel like, to an extent. But then they're also, like you said, is if you jump over to the true love side, which says the relationship starts with attraction and curiosity that builds over time, I feel over like... Over time. Yeah. There's the key phrase. Right. And and I feel like that's what I, I've experienced with my current relationship. And it's just, it's a like a comfort level. It, not that we don't have that chemistry and that right. attraction. Not that it doesn't turn on and right. get real hot, you know. Right. But at the same time, the the curiosity, the getting to know each other is something that has happened methodically in a slow manner, but 
but in a good way. Right. Because we're not rushing these emotions and, and letting the chemicals take over. We realize where we are coming from, what we have to offer, and we're kind of unraveling it slowly so that we get to know each other deeply and intensely, but in a healthy manner. What Here's what I want to equate this to. When you build a house, okay, you lay the foundation, mm-hmm. and then you build everything above that. And the foundation is such a the foundation and the supports that come out of the foundation such a huge huge part of the house. It's right. the heart of the house. It's the reason it stands exactly. That is the taking time, you know, to methodically get to know each other. To what what do each of us bring to the table? And mm-hmm. you're slowly laying that foundation. You're building up the. I don't know how slingo, but you're building up the supports. You know what I mean? Right. Like you're building the frame out. And before you, the house ever looks like this picture perfect, you know, little house that you're ready to move into, you've you've started with just dirt mm-hmm. and built up from there. On the trauma side, we rush everything so quickly mm-hmm. that we're rushed out. You're, all you can think about is the marriage, the marriage, the marriage, the wedding, the wedding, the wedding. I want to be a bride. I want to be a bride. We're going to be married forever. Ah! And then <laughs> you do that and you don't start getting to know the person until after you're married. I've seen that. I've done it. You've done it. Uh, for sure. A bunch of my friends have done it time and time again. You date for however long, a short amount of time. And all you can think about is it's like when we talked about it's should marriage be the, 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 end, the goal. end goal. Right. You push and push and push. Focus on the marriage, but all that time you should be getting to know each other before you even think about that. Get to know each other in all sorts of situations and all sorts of scenarios and discussions and debates and where do you stand on this? Where do I stand on this? Because in your marriage, all of those things that you skipped over that you don't think are a big deal become a big deal. Right. Political views, religious views, how we raise our children, how all of those things just yeah. get bigger and bigger and bigger as you go on about your marriage because you rushed into things. Right. And an important <clears throat> foundation elements, like you said, like the ability to compromise about something. How do we argue when one of us gets upset? Do we respect each other even when we're angry? Things like that that I never thought to stop and analyze because right. I was so into that instant attraction and and that irresistible chemistry that right. it was just love. It was yeah. love, and we'd figure it all out. We're no perfect what. for each other. Of course yeah. we are, and we'll make it work. I don't know how, but we're going to make it. Right. <laughs> but you really need to slow down and and build that curiosity over time and let the disagreement happen and see how each other handles it and talk about it. Okay. This was, this was a disagreement. Did we handle this in a healthy way? Did we respect each other through it? Right. And what are we going to do differently <laughs> for the next disagreement? If we were shitty to each other, exactly. You know, yeah. just uh, those little conversations that you don't necessarily have. If you just rush in head first and right. assume it's going to work out. And the problem problem with coming from a, a trauma or a traumatic situation is, is that you're not even in the right head space to even think about those things. Mm -hmm. When you've 
dealt with the trauma or you, you're coming from a traumatic background or traumatic experience and you bond over that, you're not able to put anything else inside your head. Mm-hmm. You're just so discombobulated and focused. And in that moment that he and I bonded, I didn't have anything in me that was even capable of thinking about, let's take this slow. Mm -hmm. Let's slow this down. I was just living moment to moment, second to second, day to day. Like I was just getting by. Right. Right. Well, yeah, you guys were both in survival mode at that point with everything that you had going on. Two completely different situations because your trauma was an exterior situation for both Mm -hmm. of you. Whereas my trauma bond was was me ignoring red flags, me jumping in, going way too fast, assuming this chemistry, this instant attraction was true love and that we both were in this for the right reason and therefore not taking the time to get to know him well enough and then becoming traumatically bonded to him, allowing him to do things that I wouldn't allow people to do to me, to Mm -hmm. treat me in ways, say things to me that I normally wouldn't have allowed. But by that point, my, my chemistry was like, Oh, but it's love. So we'll figure it out. He loves me. So it's just interesting that we both have this experience, but the trauma is in different lays in different places, you know? Exactly. Now, we're and we're going to do this with each point, mm-hmm. but we're we're raised with this. I mean, constantly bombarded with this fairy tale about love and Prince Charming and instant attraction and you know uh, happily ever after. And we are read books. You know, that's the last thing we hear as we go to bed at night, and then that's what we watch when we watch our movies, and that's the stories that you know when we read a book. That's how. We're basically, that's how love is conveyed to us. Absolutely. So when we went through each of these points, we recognized that in the stories or the movies and the couples that we grew up idolizing as the the perfect picturesque love couple. So we had a hard time <laughs> limiting it down to one example for each point. Right. Yeah. Because they are, they're, they're all over the place. All over the place. So for one... The, what was it? The, it, and the, oh, let me make this point real quick. The funny thing is, is that they all tend to be trauma bonded. They all are fitting the trauma side of things, the trauma bond side of things, as opposed to the true love type of things. Mm-hmm. But what did they call it in the stories and the books and the movies? True love. And so what did we think it was? And what did we think we should go out and look yeah. for? That true love. I mean, if the glass slipper fits, then it's true love, right? Exactly. Exactly. But come to find out, it was a whole lot of fucking trauma bond <laughs> that we were fed. Right. And in short, that's why we're also fucked up. <laughs> that's why a divorce rate is 65%. The end. Have a good night. Goodbye. <laughs> really? In the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> scene but it's true I think we were given so many and I'm not blaming Hollywood for this I'm sure there's lots and lots and lots of examples of why Hollywood wrote their stories like that but in the end we did get a lot of really shitty examples of what true love was and then and one of my favorite movies is in one of our examples and you look at those couples and you think oh my gosh that's beautiful but the older I get and the more I understand (laughs) true love, the more I look back at those stories and go, Oh my gosh, that's horrible. Yeah. And And that's a horrible thing for our daughters and our 
sons to to idolize or to right. to see as an example. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's the first one? So the first one that we just talked about. Yeah, the first one didn't end well, so that's good at least. And, and it's a more current movie, so I think maybe it's a sign that things are starting to change a little mm-hmm. bit. But the first one, I love my Disney, but we're going to pick on Hans and Anna from uh, from Frozen. Yes. So they fall in love instantly. He is everything she's ever wanted, and they instantly are... They sing about sandwiches. <laughs> they share each other's sandwiches. Love is an open door. It's that instant yeah. attraction, and it's that strong chemistry. And within the first... Well, if you look at the way the movie's written, I guess the first three or four hours of their relationship, they're already telling Elsa that they're going to get married. Yeah. And that's awful. Now, luckily, at least Disney did that story justice and and he was proven to be the bad guy at the end and so they never did get married but it was instant definitely a trauma bond and you also have to remember that anna comes from a traumatic past you know with her sister her parents he came in with bad intentions yeah and used that yeah and yeah it's just interesting that now that you see it like that you're like well shit (laughs) Good thing you saw through him, girl. Good thing. For number two, on the trauma bond side, it says the connection is highly physical and sexual. So I'm going to go ahead and read the true love side of it because I can picture that some people say, well, what's wrong with having a highly physical and sexual relationship? Nothing, right? But the true love side of it says that the connection is physical, sexual, emotional, and intellectual. So if you're missing those two components then yes. that's what make can can easily lead it into trauma bond. Yes. It was very physical in the beginning. I mean, it's it's always been physical. But it was extremely physical because I was coming off of a very neglected marriage and mm-hmm. you know and he had his shit going on and it it hey, but it wasn't are. that that we were bonding because of that, that we were just so sexually attracted to each other. We were also fed by the fact that it was a release, mm-hmm. like that sexual attraction and those events that sex, I'll just say it <laughs> those was events. <laughs> they were a release. They were an escape mm-hmm. and, and a physical release. And those endorphins were, you know, would, would be released and we would, for a split second, feel better. And it's almost like, I, like I get why people do drugs, you know, because in that split moment, you, you don't, you don't think about the here and now you don't think about all the shit you're going through. You don't right. think about the present. You're just on a high. And in that sexual physical moment, it's a high and I'm not losing my family and I'm not losing all of my friends and I'm not losing my religion and I'm not, and he's not doing what, you know, losing whatever he's losing. And you just don't think about that. And I think we became addicted to that part Mm -hmm. where our lives are falling apart and in those highly, highly sexual moments, they weren't. Okay, they, they have it stability was in each other. Yeah. And stress release, which, yeah. which completely makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And, and I can honestly say now we've, we've definitely 
grown into the intellectual and, you know, the, the spiritual and the emotional for sure. Mm -hmm. But that took time. I mean, we've been together over six years and we just, I would say just in the last, what, six months hit that point. Mm -hmm. Well, you guys are just coming out on the other side of some really difficult times. Yeah. So, so it's, it's, Awesome that you guys took that to the next level, emotionally and intellectually, since you already had the physical and sexual side of it. Right. Down pat. Right. <laughs> yes. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. <laughs> yeah. And, and so what about you? So I see it again through a whole different lens because I'm looking at it from my first, my ex-husband who, uh, we did have a physical and, and sexual relationship, but it's kind of all we had. Yeah. We didn't have deep emotional conversations or highly intellectual conversations. Um, you know, every once in a while, I don't want to say it didn't ever happen in 22 years because of course we talked at some point, but I, I can definitely say that the difference is that the focus was on the physical because we just, I can't say we, I didn't feel comfortable or safe expressing myself emotionally and intellectually. So I just learned to be really quiet, keep to myself mm-hmm. and not share those things just to protect myself, you know, in my emotions. And, and with my current boyfriend, I think it's uh, all four components, physical, sexual, emotional, and intellectual are, are pretty even. Yeah. Uh, we, you know, we, we have, a great physical life, but then we also can sit down and talk about the deepest, craziest things that come to our mind and have really stimulating conversation from it. And, and so it's more balanced. Yeah. It's so much healthier. It's healthier because of the fact that you had everything that we had that, you know, yeah, I want to, you know, do dirty things to you, but (laughs) I, in my head that played out a lot more dirtier. And I was like, reel it back, reel it back. (laughs) Can't say everything on the podcast. I'm the spot censoring. I love it. (laughs) That's why I paused for a second. And I had like a censorship debate in my head. (laughs) But you had everything that I had in this, in your current, in your current relationship, you have everything that I have, but you also get those two extra things that are also beautiful and needed and that I was craving, Mm -hmm. you know, and I didn't have those in my marriage towards the end of it. Mm -hmm. So, and I didn't have it when I started with my, you know, now husband, when we were dating for so long, I didn't have it in the beginning, but I didn't also seek it. Whereas you are going into this relationship, understanding that you need that as well. And that's such a healthy I want to commend you because that's such a healthy outlook because I've seen you, I've seen you do it differently Mm -hmm. and I've seen your approach with this, with, with this relationship where you've even taken the time to say, okay, and you know, I'm going to slow down. You know, I want to, we're just, we're just day by day. I want to get to know him. I want to, and I think that that is such a, healthy example for everyone out there, whether man or woman Mm -hmm. to approach any relationship, you've got to slow down, 
put, yes, we all crave sex. We all want that physical, you know, slam me up against the wall, Mm. if that's your thing. (laughs) (laughs) Slam me up against the wall and do dirty things to me. But after that high goes away and after it's over, you don't want emptiness and void. Right. You, You want... You want the in between those moments to be filled with highs as well. Intellectual highs, emotional highs, spiritual highs, like just all kinds of highs. Right. And they're so intertwined, which I think is something that I've just recently, not that I didn't know it, but that I've just recently experienced Mm -hmm. how intertwining it is to sit down and have a stimulating intellectual conversation with someone not that I forget he's my boyfriend when we have these conversations, but my mind isn't on on the chemical reaction. It isn't on the sex. It isn't on the physical attraction. It's just like it. it's stimulating to our minds to have these conversations with each yeah. other, which then ultimately <clears throat> does lead into to more physical attraction. Like it's hot to be able to have an intellectual deep conversation with someone that you love. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I think that even makes it better. Oh, 100% my point. Yeah, Yeah, like for for me to feel safe emotionally and be able to say whatever's on my mind and not be afraid of his reaction, it it just puts me in this place of comfort and that plays out in the whole rest of our relationship. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Without getting too detailed. (laughs) Yeah. We can all figure out what that means. (laughs) You make me comfortable amazing things are going to happen. <laughs> right. Just know that. <laughs> but but I feel like every relationship is capable of that connection. Mm-hmm. If if you either A, go into it looking for that and don't settle for anything less, or B, both of you are willing to work towards that. Exactly. And, and now that I have that and I look at other people's relationships, not that I'm judging them because Lord knows I've fucked it up for many, many years. But now that I have that, I can see where a lot of people lack that, that deep, deep connection with their significant other. I don't know what part of it's missing, but one of those components, whether it be emotional, intellectual, physical, sexual, something is, is missing and it throws it all out of balance and it's just not as great as it could be. You know? Right. I fully agree. Yeah. Fully agree. Yeah. yeah. So... What, um, what is our, okay. For this, (laughs) this is a good one. Yeah, this is a good one. So the connection going back to the trauma bond, the connection is highly physical and sexual. Literally we jumped, we both landed on this (laughs) at the same time. It was a no brainer. We were like right there with each other, Bella and Edward. Oh, from the twilight series. For sure. I mean, those two could not even like breathe around each other. It was by the end of their first encounter, I was like, have sex. Like, just get it over with. Because right. clearly, y'all have some tension. Well, yeah, he couldn't even handle her scent. No. Yeah, exactly. It, it, yeah. yeah. It, and it was just such a physical turmoil and tr- trauma. And it was hurting each other that they right. couldn't just get it all out. Like, that is Bella and Edward to a T. Right. Right, and they didn't talk about why it was like that. They didn't have any intellectually stimulating conversation. No. It just got awkward, and then Jacob was thrown into the mix, and it 
was absolutely a trauma bond. Oh, 100%. Yeah, because they were both going through their own shit. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not quite sure it ever exited that. No. Maybe at the very end. Did it, though? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I'm thinking out loud. Maybe not. No. Well, no. I mean... The ultimate trauma bond, he had to turn her into a <laughs> vampire. So. That's true. So that they could be together. So that they I could mean, be together. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. That's. Wow. That's real life. Yeah. <laughs> okay. On to point three. <laughs> We're talking about. Relatable. Is it a trauma bond if he has to turn you into a vampire? I don't know. I think so. <laughs> that's not listed on this graphic here. So I, I don't know how to lay my opinion with that <laughs> to the next one. Okay, so for the next one, the trauma bond says that the relationship cycles through extreme highs and lows. And, uh, yeah. (laughs) If that isn't my entire marriage, Mm -hmm. it was, it was either, and I think that's the cycle of being married to a narcissist. Mm -hmm. It's either fantastic, everything's fine and beautiful and wonderful and, oh my gosh, Let's go have a blast together. Yeah. And then the bottom falls out and then it's the lowest of the low where you just feel empty and alone and misunderstood and frustrated and not loved. Yeah. It, yeah. And it, it and which which is such an instant betrayal to you on the deepest level because you just came from that highest of high where you thought, oh, okay. And you let your guard down and you're like, this is the man I married. This is the man I fell in love with. Mm-hmm. This is what I want. And look, it's happening. And then they rip the fucking rug out from underneath you and you hit rock bottom and you're the only one there. Yeah. You're the only one there. And you're like, what the fuck? And then you think you're crazy mm-hmm. because... You're there, and obviously this man loves you because this high, high, high thing just happened, and it was great, and you went on vacation together, date night, or whatever it was, and it was fabulous. So what did I do wrong to make this low happen? And they're telling you what you did wrong. Oh, of course. They're (laughs) gaslighting the fuck out of you. Like crazy. Yeah. 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 And I, I really, I went years thinking something was wrong with me. Same. I mean, therapy. Yeah. Uh. Self-help books, I can't even tell you how many I've read. Uh, And I still enjoy reading them, but back then I read them because I thought something was wrong with me and I was trying to figure out what it was. Mm -hmm. And I I think it wasn't until I saw him do the same thing to our daughters that I realized, okay, maybe this isn't just on me. Because if it were just me, he would be able to control himself with his daughters and he can't. Right, which is sad. On a a whole different That's a whole different conversation. Yeah. And so that, I think, is when I started realizing, okay, maybe it isn't me. And then I started doing some digging and found, you know, books about emotional and verbal abuse and narcissism and realized what was going on. But but it does – I remember even telling someone – being being married my my ex-husband's hispanic and i remember telling someone oh it's just very passionate to be married to a hispanic and yeah because i thought i really thought the highs <laughs> were you know that like latino fire yeah yeah <laughs> and the lows were because i was fucking up somehow 
Now, of course, I can see that in a whole different light, but that's really honestly what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. I can relate, even though, well, I mean, we, we've determined that my ex is a, a narcissist on a different scale. I think mm-hmm. there's there's scales of narcissism. but Oh, yeah, for sure. He definitely thinks that there's nothing wrong with him. And it was definitely all my fault. So I can relate to that in that sense where those extreme highs and those extreme lows are they're soul killing. Mm-hmm. They're spirit killing. Oh, my gosh. That is such an accurate yeah. description. Yeah. And I did go through that with my now husband, mm-hmm. my new husband. I did go through that because of the fact that I've said before, there's an age difference. We were in two different eras of our life mm-hmm. and, and maturity levels. And even though he's an old soul, we we're, you know, different maturity levels. But also, our struggles were completely different. You know, my struggles were a shit ton. <laughs> my struggles was from since birth. But my between my dad's and between, you know, my ex-husband, like, my struggles were huge. And my fucked up family, my struggles just kept going and going and going and, and building and building and building and adding to, which made me also think, that I was the the broken one Mm -hmm. and his struggles come from, you know, all kinds of things too. And we never really like until recently, we never really just sat down and discussed everything that we had gone through and our true feelings. Number one, I'm always willing to talk about what I'd gone through because I feel like that's therapy to me, Mm -hmm. but there were certain things that he couldn't handle talking about. And I would take offense to that and that would just build. And, you know, then I, next thing you know, we're exploding. Hmm. And then, and then he wants to be, you know, he's on this track to be a professional hockey player. And I'm, you know, wanting to be here with my kids mm-hmm. and settled. And there was so much that had built up and was on our plates. Mm-hmm. We didn't know how to separate and deal with each of it. It was just, it, it was like drinking from a fucking fire hose. Wow. Like you're just drowning in it. And when we weren't thinking about it, we were on a high. And mm-hmm. then all those things would come rushing back in and we'd hit rock bottom. Wow. With him, I didn't feel as alone in those bottoms as I did with my husband of 20 years. With with my husband of 20 years, basically the bottoms were just mine. He would separate himself because he doesn't deal with emotions. Right. And I would suffer alone. And with my new husband, when we, when I hit bottom, he was hitting bottom as well. And we both were at our bottoms. So we both get to the highs and we both hit rock bottoms, but we both dealt with them separately. And that uh, in, during those bottom parts, we were like a million miles away from each other. Well, yeah, that's really hard if you're trying to do that sort of healing separately. Yeah. But coexisting at the same time exactly and that's exactly what it is yeah that is we're coexisting under the same roof at the same time Mm -hmm. while we're both hitting rock bottom and that fucking sucked yeah i i can't imagine that has to suck because frequently in friendships and relationships and whatever it is you know one of us will hit rock bottom while we have someone else stable who can be the one who's like hey you got this. We got this. Right. You know, let's let's get through this together. But if you both are at the bottom at the same time and don't have the energy to pull each other up, then that's 
That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And in our previous marriages, you and I, we were at rock bottom and they were just off to the side. And so we were at least, not that it was better, but it was different. Yeah. Like I only was concerned with myself. Right. And how lonely I was. And okay, Vina, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Like, you know, once I got done with the crying and the wallowing, you know, okay, get it together. Whereas when I've got my partner who I love dearly and he's at rock bottom too, Mm -hmm. I can't deal with my own trauma and deal with his. Or if I try to help him deal with his, my own trauma comes into it and just makes it worse. So I don't know. I don't know which I I, I don't want to say one's worse than the other. I think they're both just really fucking shitty. Yeah. Yeah, and we had a lot of conversations when we were with our ex-husbands about dealing with things alone because we had ex-husbands who would leave us in our lows yeah, and then either be busy studying or traveling for work or just flat out ignoring yeah, yeah. <laughs> the situation. And so we would talk to each other a lot about that and... I know that we both handled it the same way. We just were used to relying on ourselves because we knew we didn't have that spouse to rely on. We weren't going to get through it together. Right. So we had to figure out how to do it on our own, which ultimately, I don't know if it's the same for you, but ultimately that reliance on myself gave me the strength I needed to leave because I knew I didn't depend on him for anything emotionally. Right. I could pull myself up. Yeah. Yeah, so if I am by myself at the bottom, then I'd rather just be by myself all the way through. Exactly. Yeah. If you don't I, deserve my highs yeah. if, you don't, if you're not you. there for my lows. Yeah. Especially if you cause my lows. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because my low is your fault. Right. <laughs> in, in a lot of circumstances. Like, oh, for sure. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I fully agree. I think that kind of hits the nail on the head Yeah. for that, for sure. So. Yeah. So then the true love side of that. Is, uh, is that the relationship is stable and predictable based on mutual trust. Mm-hmm. And that is something that I think is my favorite part of my new relationship is I've never had that mutual trust before. And it's, it's predictable and it's even, but it's amazing to know someone's got your back, even if they're upset with you or even if you like I used to live in fear of messing up because god it would suck you know all hell would break loose and then I'd be left in one of those lows to deal with it by myself all while trying to hide it from my daughters because I didn't want them to see that I was you know in this low and now to just have that just to know someone cares about me enough to First of all, not want to see me in that low and definitely not want to be the cause of why Mm -hmm. why I'm in that low. And just to know that we trust each other to not do that on purpose. Yeah. Not that we won't make each other mad or say something stupid to each other because, I mean, that's life. That's Yeah, exactly. But we'll never do it on purpose. And if we do it, I know that whether I bring it up or whether he brings it up, it'll be more of a conversation of like, Oh shit, I did not mean to do that. Right. You know, uh, let's talk it out. Let's, yeah. let's, let's fix this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to know that I can 
trust that from him is amazing. It, it is. <laughs> it is. I, I know that the tears you're crying right now are actually happy tears. Oh, yeah, they are. For yeah, sure. For sure. It be, and re, tears of relief. I think even more so than happy, it's tears of relief because you're finally you're finally getting that fucking fairy tale yeah. that all those you know you grew up wanting and but it just didn't look like what we were told right right it, and it looks different and a lot of people find this part boring you were they gonna s- say exactly what yeah. i was leaning in they the see the word predictable, predictable. yeah and they're like i don't want predictable i want spicy and people. no bitch <laughs> You want fucking predictable. Right. Trust me. Yeah. You want predictable. You think, so because I've lapped around to the, to the true love side, you think you want what I had in the past. My relationship with my husband now is with, now that we're not going through the extreme highs and the extreme lows Mm -hmm. and it is predictable. And I'm like, yes, finally. Right. Finally, I know what every day is going to look like. Last night, we had a little bit of argument. I got mad at him. And it was over in 10 minutes. Isn't that amazing? It was over in fucking 10 minutes. In a year ago, that shit would have had one of us, like, packing. It would have had me slamming doors. It would have had him driving off. But now it's like, he's like... I don't want you to be mad at me. So can we talk this out? And I'm like, yes. And I never even yelled, which is huge for me. <laughs> I never even yelled. That's awesome. And we, in 10 minutes, that, that shit was over. Wow. You want predictable. I cannot stress this enough. If someone says predictable is boring, I don't know that I won't go to jail because I'm going <laughs> to punch a motherfucker in the face. <laughs> Yeah, I did hear on the podcast. And you're I, I'm not gonna punch anyone because you know I'm a lover, not a fighter. Yeah. But I agree. What? You know feisty one has woken. You know I got your back. Of course, of course. But yeah, I do remember a time when I thought predictable was was boring. You know, live yeah. life on the edge. Every day should be because that's what we're fucking taught. Right, right. And wow. while we have lots of unpredictable experiences together and conversations that aren't predictable, I know his reactions are predictable, and his love for me is predictable, and the the security that we feel for each other is predictable, and that is priceless yeah like we can find our our unpredictability in situations together but the the base going back to the foundation of the house like you were talking about earlier that that foundation has to be predictable yeah and that's a beautiful thing it's it's so reassuring for me to know that if I don't like something I can just say it. I don't have to keep it inside and hope that it doesn't happen again. I don't have to, you know, like tiptoe around what I'm trying to say. I can just say this. I feel this. And, yeah. and feel safe knowing that I can express my feelings. And that probably is common sense for a lot of people in situations. But when you don't have that and then all of a sudden you're given that, it's it's yeah it's a whole different level of relationship predictability leads to security 
Security leads to freedom. Freedom leads to a lot of shit being unlocked within your relationship that you've never fucking experienced before. If you don't believe that, then you are on the trauma bond side. So true. So End true. of discussion. Yeah, that's As so the Gen well Zers say, period. <laughs> And it's so true. It is absolutely a beautiful thing to have that predictability. Yeah. Yeah. It's not boring at all. No. It's, it, it, you feel safe. Yeah. I I was just going to say, instead of being in survival mode and tiptoeing and watching his facial expressions to see if I've made him mad and, oh my gosh, does that mean... He's going to explode and say things that he'll never be able to take back. And, you know, that that cycle that just damages relationships forever. Instead, I just know it's never going to get to that because I know that there's that security there and that there will just be conversation and it will be predictably fine. Yeah. No matter if it gets a little ugly, no matter if. We both end up in tears or we've never raised our voices at each other. But even if we did get a little feisty with each other, we we know that on the flip side, it'll be fine. When I feel and I don't know about you, but when I feel safe and secure in my relationship, not safe for work moment, (laughs) not safe for children moment. But when I feel safe and secure in my relationship. And I can be my 100% self without thinking about what, you know, am I going to make him mad? You know, mm-hmm. none of that. Take all of that away. Right. The sex and my inhibitions, the sex is better. My inhibitions are gone. I am more adventurous in the bedroom. Like the whole physical side of it elevates. I just had this whole epiphany, I guess you can call it, last week. I was thinking about that exact situation. And and I agree with everything you said. And in my head, that happens because for the first time, I think ever, I, I am comfortable and secure enough to release my feminine side. Mm-hmm. And I'm never feminine. Yeah. Never. But when you have that safety, you let that guard down, you let those walls down, and you just experience who you are. Yeah. And that is a whole different level of of emotion. Oh, yeah. For sure. Oh, yeah. I have to lead us into the, uh, the Hollywood couple that we chose for this particular point because this is by far one of my favorite love stories ever mm-hmm. but they did start out trauma bonded and their highs and lows were ridiculous yeah but just like you and your current husband they made it to the other side after a whole lot of work and a whole lot of conversation and yelling and screaming but which hollywood did good with that however <laughs> again rare don't recommend it right right yeah the chances that that these two worked out are yeah definitely it, it was a fair portrayal because they didn't make it look easy they didn't mm-hmm. make it but uh but all my notebook fans 
know that <gasps> Noah and uh, Noah and Allie, just the most beautiful mm-hmm. love story ever. But they did start off in a horrible, horrible place. Oh my god! And they had those highs where they just had so much fun together, and then they had those lows where you know she's punching him in the chest yeah. and they're screaming at each other, and they were toxic for each other. Oh my god! Until they. Went their separate ways, had some time to mature, and then came back together and made it work. Mm -hmm. But if they wouldn't have had that separate time, I don't think they could have jumped columns from trauma bonded to true love. No. No, they definitely had, like, my husband and I, we we definitely had to have that separation Mm -hmm. and that breaking point where you have to realize we need to get our shit together. We can't continue like we are. Right. Yeah. So I'm glad they did, because that's what makes the movie so beautiful, that they got their stuff all together. But, uh, but yeah, they definitely had those highs and lows. Four. Do you want to read it? or Sure. So I mean, the, you've been doing such a great, great job. So the next point, one of my favorites, is, uh, is the trauma bond side says important conversations are avoided. And if... I could tell you the number one thing I would do differently if I ever had the chance to, I I would not want to redo my marriage over again, but thinking about what I would do differently if I were given that opportunity, that is the number one thing that I would do. The important conversations are something that I learned to avoid because it was easier to not start a fight Mm-hmm. to not rock the boat, to not make him upset, to keep the peace. And so I therefore internalized so many things. And that built up so much over the years that I just completely lost who I was, mm-hmm. any self-worth I had, any ability to stand up for myself. It, it just chipped away little by little to the point where I didn't even recognize myself anymore. And I feel like that was so much of it because I didn't have the backbone to have those important conversations where if I would have started off with that boundary, like, no, we're talking about this. We're not avoiding this and solved those things as they went. I don't know how it would have turned out, but at least I know that I would have represented myself in a better way. You were, and I'm saying this because I relate you were more afraid of his reaction than you were of what you were doing to yourself. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I lost all sense of caring about what I was doing to myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was in survival mode. My, my goals were a don't piss him off because then all hell breaks loose and B if all hell breaks loose, don't let the girls find out. Mm-hmm. That that was my mind frame 24-7. Yeah. I wasn't in that equation anywhere. Right. I didn't give a shit about myself, my boundaries, my well-being. That, that There was wasn't no part space of for it. No, I didn't know how. I just, I, I, it chipped away so insidiously that I just didn't know how anymore yeah no I fully agree and I can relate to this on so many levels where 
you get so afraid of the other person's response or where it's going to go that at first it's like, okay, well, I feel this way, but I don't want to get them to this point. Mm-hmm. And over time, you don't even think about, I feel this way. Like that part goes away and you're like, oh, shit, I just don't want to get them to this point. Right. And you now looking back, I realized just how much I neglected myself, my feelings, my emotional health, my um, mental health, our physical health, our physical Both health. Yeah. Yeah. I completely 100% neglected myself in hopes of avoiding any confrontation that might lead to that explosive point that I didn't want to get to. Right. And it, also in my previous marriage and with my, you know, in the beginning stages of my new husband to protect my kids from those moments, mm-hmm. inevitably they still happened. Inevitably my kids were still exposed to both those, you know, toxic right. relationships. And that only made me hate myself even more because it circles right back to me where I'm the mom I think the answer that that I thought about in those moments was a variation of I should be more in control of the situation. I should be more in control of myself so as not to incite that anger in him. I should be like it all came down on me. Yeah, I'm not perfect. You know, I was probably part of the problem. But had I started out in a more healthy situation Mm -hmm. or had I said, look, I love you. But we're going to talk about this and we're not going to yell at me. We're not going to yell at me. And we're going to talk about this in a calm manner. Right. And the third, you know, second or third time he couldn't, no matter who it was, I said, I should have said, you know what? As much as I love you and as much as it pains me, I'm not going to put myself or my children through this any longer. Mm -hmm. So I need to know right here and now I'm putting it on you right here and now. Are we capable of getting through these moments in a healthy manner, even if we disagree? Or is it going to be like this every fucking time? Because if it is, I need to have enough self-respect and self-worth and and self-value and love my kids enough that I'm not going to put all of us through that. But I was nowhere in the the mental health or emotional health to even think about that. No, no way. First of all, our, our emotional, mental, physical health is in shambles. Mm -hmm. On top of that, we're in our twenties. We don't have the same knowledge and the same ability to stand up for ourselves. Right. Not that. Okay. So maybe we did, but we didn't realize it. Right. 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 At least I know I didn't. I it never occurred to me that I could set that boundary like that. Well, and plus it it whittled over time. Like it oh, happened yeah. over time. So as it got worse and worse and worse, it's kind of like abuse where it happens slowly over time and just gets worse and worse and worse to the point where by the time you're dealing with the big shit and it's full blown, you're not the same person as you were right. whenever you started. And every time that you try not to 
rock the boat, not to cause an argument. You give up a little bit of who you are. Mm -hmm. And then if you're married to someone who's abusive, they take full advantage of that insecurity and that lack of self-worth. Because why would they stick to any boundary if there's no repercussion? Exactly. I, I, I've said this on prior podcasts and it will stick in my head as one of the main issues forever in my 22 year marriage. The one thing I asked for over and over and over is when we are you, could you just please not call me a bitch? Yeah. Like you love me, right? So why are you calling me a bitch? And that was my one request. Well, why would he quit? He had no reason. I mean, okay. So a healthy minded individual wouldn't do it in the first place. Right. Or would want to stop out of love. But we're not talking about healthy. We're talking Mm -hmm. about narcissists. So it's a whole different world. But if I would have had some sort of boundary, then maybe he would have thought twice about it. But he knew perfectly well. I was going to do nothing about it. Right. So if I'm not going to do anything about it, why stop? Right. There there were no consequences for him. There were only consequences for you. Right. And you brought up a point that we were in our you know, twenties or whatever it, I, it, in my first marriage that didn't even start happening until because I was a fighter. I was very vocal, mm-hmm. but that didn't even start happening until the end of our marriage. Oh wow. And by then I was tired. Yeah. I was just like, I was in my, I was in my late thirties when our marriage started falling apart. And I realized how exhausted I was fighting for our marriage to stay together while also raising my kids while also keeping, you know, trying to keep the peace. And I I was doing a juggling act and I'm not a juggler. Like it it was, you know, those jugglers that have like, they're bouncing on their head and their nose and their each, you know, finger and like that scene out of cat in the hat. Yeah. (laughs) Where he's got all of it. Yeah. That's how I felt. I didn't, I didn't have, have, space for anything else right so whenever it's all started going bad i i did i had no fight left in me like none and then with my new relationship it literally started out of trauma and i was that person coming into another relationship so i didn't even go back to my old self i was going into that oh shit you know cower Yeah, you didn't even have time just because of how your cards fell. Yeah. You didn't even have time to necessarily regroup and figure out who you who you were before all of these layers happened during your marriage. So So you can't have those important conversations Mm -hmm. if you're not if you don't have the the again security, the safety, the reassurance. The you're in a safe space. It's okay to have those. If you, if you don't feel that, how can you have it? Right, right. Important conversations in those moments are what can I do to avoid this becoming a complete disaster? What can, you know, not, hey, let's sit down. Let's talk about this. Like right. you're just, like you said over and over again, you're in survival mode. And those important conversations happen in your own head. Yes. They're not a two-way conversation. Mm-mm. It's Mm-mm. more like, oh shit, this is happening. What am I backpedal? How do yeah. I stop this? How do I stop yeah. this? You know, it's like the floodgates are getting ready to open. And how do you hold them 
shut with everything that you have, but that's all going on in your head, right? And I think it's important to to say right here is that when we're talking about important conversations, we're talking about that, but we're also talking about what we need, what our needs are. With those type of people and when you, that you're you know trauma bonded to, you can't just sit down and safely say, "Hey, listen, this is this is what's happening, and this is what I need, and I need you to hear me out. I need you to know that I don't like this. Like I I get it, it's cute to you, or I get it, it doesn't you're just mean kidding. yeah, it mean doesn't that, yeah. mean the same to you, but it really affects me, and here's why." And y'all discuss it. Mm-hmm. I can do that with my husband now. I couldn't do that in the beginning of our relationship for various reasons. It's it's so weird because both of my relationships are flip-flopped. I could do that in the beginning of my, re- my long-term relationship, my 20-year marriage. Mm-hmm. By the end of it, I couldn't do it anymore. And with this marriage, I couldn't do it in the beginning, but now I can. Hmm. And I don't know, I someday I need to like dissect it all, but mm-hmm. they're completely flip-flopped. In both those situations, I literally could not 100% vocalize my needs without there being rep- repercussions. Oh, I can totally see the similarities. And it is interesting the way they did that flip-flop. So if you ever dive into that, I want to know what you okay. figure out. <laughs> and, and, Mine is a completely different situation because there there was a definite stop point in between. So I think I had that advantage of being able to work that out in my head and realize potentially by being by myself, potentially through some really good conversations with my daughters who helped strengthen me and helped me realize that I do have a voice. Um Probably a couple bad dating choices that taught me a few lessons in between. But but still, I had that time to think about how I would do things differently. And so now those important conversations are an everyday occurrence. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I have a voice and an opinion and and the ability to state that are, are now so normal to me that... It's amazing that I didn't have it before. I still work on it. Like I still have moments where I forget that I'm safe and I'm afraid to start confrontation. Oh, yeah. And uh, because ultimately it's better for him. He doesn't have to try to read my mind and right. figure out what's going to make me mad and what I want and what I like and what I don't like. Ultimately, it's it's healthier for both of us if I can speak my mind. It's just something that, you know, it doesn't come naturally but I love it. I love just being able to be myself and just like I would say something to you like, oh, yeah, I don't really like this. Can we order something different or right, whatever? Right. Just being able to also say that to my significant other is huge. Oh, and 100 yeah. percent. Definitely. Yeah. So now important conversations are the base of our relationship. Yeah. We just sit like this it's across. So fucking the, refreshing! Oh, it's it's amazing. <clears throat> we sit across from each other in in the camper at the table and just talk for hours and hours yeah. and hours. And I don't have to filter what's coming out of my mouth. I don't have to worry about if it's going to set him off or if it'll be uncomfortable for him. Like I can just say whatever I need to say, and it it's amazing. My relationship now is like that, where I like you said, he will detect that 
I'm holding something back and he'll say, okay, stop. And he will literally like put stuff down, pull me in and go, okay, talk. And I'll still sometimes do that hesitation where I'm like, no, cause I don't want this to be a big, huge fight. And he's like, we haven't fought in so long. And like, when we do it last 10 minutes, like right. I say what you want. And I, I catch myself bracing and I'm like, okay. And I say it. And then he's like, okay, I hear you. Let's talk this through. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> wait, 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 stop. You're joking. <laughs> and it's so refreshing because by the end of it, he may not always 100% agree, but he agrees that I have a problem with it or it is a need of mine or he sees my side and acknowledges it and we find a compromise. And that compromise in a safe place where it's not explosive is so fucking refreshing. Oh my gosh. It's crazy. Yeah. It's like, okay, did we just have an argument? Is it over? Great. Let's go have sex. <laughs> Instantly. Like, did you even think that was a thing? I did. No. Oh my gosh. And, no. and not even just the sex part of it, which is an added bonus, Yeah, <laughs> but the, the quickness of it. Yeah. So in my marriage, if there was a fight, at the bare minimum, we would go three to four days without talking mm-hmm. to each other. Meaning he would ignore me because he was mad. Yeah. Maximum, it lasted a couple months as it got near the end. And so that's part of what makes me panic or used to make me panic when I would fear that he would get upset because I'm like, okay, okay, great. The next week is screwed. And in two days it's Thanksgiving. That means he's not going to go to Thanksgiving with my family. And then I have to make up some bullshit excuse about how he's sick or something, you know? And so the, the panic would start in. And the, the first time that my current boyfriend and I had to have a little compromise about something, I was panicking. Well, I, I know I contacted you because yeah. I'm like, oh, all hell's about to break loose. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And, and then at the end of it, I'm like, okay, so now, now what? And he's like, I'm over it. Like we said what we needed to say. And I was dumbfounded. Yeah. Like, wait. And so then I'm, I, I, I catch myself reverting to like old behaviors. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, you're being a smart ass. You're not yeah. over it. You're going to be, you know, yeah. like making little digs about it. And no, it was over. It was done. Like we're done. Yeah. And then we just carried on like, so what do you want to do tomorrow? Yeah. you ha- <laughs> it's like, What the hell? Did that just happen? You have to be careful not to project that old part of your, like, I think, I don't know if it's a man or woman thing, a man and woman thing. I don't know. But in our instances, it is where I feel like with both of them now, and in my case, he used to be explosive mm-hmm. and now he's not. For, you know, a, a million reasons, he's, right. he's moved past that. But I feel like men more easily change and they more easily, like, say, get it in their head that I'm going to handle this differently and set it in stone and then move on. Like when he decided, when mine decided, okay, we're going to do this, end of discussion. Mm-hmm. This is how we're going to act from now on. I mean, the the switch flipped like that and for me it was like okay but he's like no no buts we're we're done like let's let's move on let's 
Now we handle things this way. And I still, every once in a while, try to not try to battle that, but I'll catch myself battling that thinking, you know, waiting for the worst or projecting my old self, you know, into that situation. And he's like, dude, we've gone several, you know, we're almost a year and we're fine. Like we're past that. And I'm like, oh, but I just keep holding on to that and less and less, but it's like, it's taken me longer to transition Mm -hmm. than it has him. Okay. So I recognize that in myself also. And, and I know why I do it. So I'm curious if you find the same. So for me, it's a self worth thing. Uh When, when those new relationship issues are going to happen, I don't find myself worthy of not being treated like shit. Mm -hmm. Like I'm getting there, but I didn't feel that before. And so I didn't feel like I was worth changing for. Mm -hmm. And so I'm scared. I, I catch myself being scared sometimes that I'm letting down my guard mm-hmm. and then I'm going to be hurt where I feel is th- our significant others at the current moment are just like, no, we got this. We're, we're good. We said, yeah. we're done. We're done. <laughs> but I agree with you that it's, it's a self-worth thing. We don't just automatically expect better. Right. And that's on us. It is on us. It be- does come from traumatic, but past. it comes from, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, but I'm not, uh, but I am going to own it. Yeah. Uh, I can, yeah. I can play victim with it all day, but I, I'll own it and I'll do what I need to do to not make my current boyfriend pay for that. Cause it's not on him. It's right. on me. It, he's done nothing to make me feel unworthy. Right. And so I owe it to him to have that self-worth. Yeah. And I might be faking it till I make it, but. But by God, we'll fake it till we make it. <laughs> I think that was a good point, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So as far as uh, that Hollywood representation of who avoids important conversations, your husband came up with this one, and I think it's spot on. Um, so shout out to Shrek the Ogre and his lovely now bride, Fiona. When they first met, mm-hmm. Fiona did everything she could to hide that she was an ogre, even though she already knew Shrek was an ogre. Mm -hmm. So it's not like she didn't have some relatability to it. She could have had that conversation with him, but instead chose not to. And she even held it against him in some. That's very true. That's very true. And so then she spent the whole movie hiding from him at night and, it just uh, it caused so many problems in their relationship. Whereas if she would have just came out and said it at the beginning, like, hey, me too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? And, yeah. And he loved who she was physically just as much. I know that was her fear, but she wouldn't have had to have that fear if she would have just out and said it. And he would have said, hey, I like you better. Exactly. Big green ogre. Anyway, but and he was hiding <laughs> secrets of his own. Yeah, that's true. You know, so they that is a perfect representation of not having important conversations yeah you know and if you turn into an ogre yeah. you just got to tell your person that yeah yeah that's what it boils down cheryl to. <laughs> wait do you think i turned into an ogre that's 24 7 that's great all right 
Okay. Last one. On to the last one. So the last point under the trauma bond column says that the relationship feels like an addiction that you're powerless to quit. And I think we've hit on that a little bit throughout the other points too. You know, you just lose so much of who you are that you feel like you need that relationship because it becomes your identity because separately you don't have an identity anymore. Right. You're so-and-so's wife. And your whole job is to keep peace. Yeah. So who are you without them? Yeah. And, you know, you're you're powerless to quit because of what you said. And also the fear of failing. Yes. And being the, the person who fails that relationship. It's not in those moments. You don't think that it's both of you failing. Right. Okay, both of you fucked up. Right. In that moment, all you can think about is, I didn't do enough. And so you feel powerless to let go because you're like, I just got to grasp at straws and keep this together and prove that I'm worthy of love, that it's not my fault, that I can make it right, that no one on the outside is going to, you know, judge me. And also that I don't want to be alone. There's so many reasons that go into that. I feel powerless. Right. It's... You're addicted to that in so many different ways that to begin to fix it is it's not it's not going to take one single tool. No. And it's the hard way out. It really is. And it's hard to to stay in it. But once you're in long term, like we both were, we had it down to a science. Yeah, we were miserable, but we had, you know, you had your Mormon facade. I had my my happy teacher facade and what was happening behind closed doors was not information that was privy to a lot of people. Right. We had it down beautifully. So all of those thoughts of all the work it would take made it seem impossible. Yeah. And and so I did feel powerless and I felt pressure, which now I understand that I put on myself but I felt like I was letting other people down. I felt like I was letting my family down because you know, I have so many long-term beautiful marriages in my family and that's what I longed for. And I felt like if I just was fighting hard enough, I would be able to do that too. I felt like I was letting my daughters down because aren't you supposed to have this, you know, perfect white picket fence house, family, mom and dad intact. Like, isn't that what's healthy for them? Now I know better. Now I know that, you know, despite the hell that it takes to, to recover from something like that, you do come out better on the other side in a healthy single parent situation. Yeah. However that turns out all of that combined just makes it feel impossible. And it, yeah. it, it really takes away your power to feel like you can do anything about it. Yeah. You're looking at climbing Mount Everest Yeah, in that moment. And you're like, I, I can't do this when really it's, it might be a bunch of different Hills, but it's a bunch of different Hills accumulate to Mount Everest. You don't have to just attack a one mountain. You know what I'm saying? It's like little things. But in that moment, that's not how you feel. You don't, you don't compartmentalize. You don't see the different, you know, aspects of it. And it's just all too much, Mm -hmm. just all too fucking much. I know that we've said it a million times in this, in this particular episode. And I know that it seems like we're like beating a dead horse, but when you're in survival mode, you don't see the bigger picture. 
You can't. Like, and, and I want to stress that because I feel like there's so many people that need to hear this more so than the amount that listen to it. There's so many people, and please share this, that don't even realize they're in survival mode. That's so true. I can see it now <laughs> in some of my friends. Yeah. Oh, I can spot I it. Yeah, you too. Yeah. I don't say it. It's not my place to bring it up. Mm-hmm. If the conversation comes up, then I mm-hmm. have had a couple opportunities to gently share that viewpoint. Not yeah. exactly in those words, but I can recognize it now yeah. in other people, which helps me know that I've healed. But But now I do see how many people get to a place where the house isn't burning, so... Why exit? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like every, everything's fine. We're yeah. Fine. It's fine. It's yeah. Beautiful. But that is a trauma bond and, and it's unhealthy and it's a generational curse that I feel like a lot of people become complacent with because you're supposed Ooh. to stay married and yep. you're supposed to make it work for, for not having the stigma of being the divorcee. Mm-hmm people stay in that situation. And yeah. I did it too. I did it for years longer you don't than be I should the failure. have. You don't want to be the one that gave up. You don't want to. And I took that. I I took that and I, I did that in my long-term marriage, my 20 year marriage. I, I did that. And I still, even though I fought and I was the one that was fighting and doing all the things and going to therapy and without him and checking the boxes, mm-hmm. you know, did you pray enough? Did you fast enough? Did you go to therapy? Did you, what did you do for your, you know, what did you do to change yourself? I was checking those boxes off right and fucking left. And still when it was over, when he still left and I still lost, it still was my fault. Of course. It's still my fault to this day. Yeah. No, but but to everyone, to everyone with me, it was still my fault to my parents, to my family, to my church, to his family, to him, to my kids for a moment, it still was my fault. Wow. And I think I think that's the part that I hold the most anger for is that and it's getting better. Yeah. It's it's definitely getting better, but that and I I don't blame my kids because they were young at the right, time. Right. They don't know what I was doing. They don't they still don't know what all I did. No, they don't know the but, full picture. They didn't have help in seeing the full picture or it it kind of helped them to see a different picture when my parents, his parents, my church, my friends, all of them, everybody pointed towards me. Hmm. That didn't help the situation. And in that moment, I felt powerless and I took that. And I went into this new relationship with that. Wow. So I went from, a, I left a powerless situation into a powerless situation. And that's definitely, I think that's the epitome of a trauma bond. Oh, yeah. yeah. Definitely so. Definitely mm-hmm. so. Wow. So what is the healthy side of that? So the true the, love side. The true love side says that the relationship feels like an honor, a privilege, and a choice. Yeah. And I... I think that is so spot on. Yeah. What I'm going to say applies to the the Hollywood movie, Disney mm-hmm. side of it. We decided that 
uh, Beauty and the Beast was a perfect representation of this. Absolutely. For the simple fact that Belle had no choice. She was captive. He was explosive at her. She felt powerless. Even when she stood up to him, he would, like, yell over her and she would cower. You know, when she did grow balls, he would come back at her and push her back down. That is a perfect representation of being powerless in that that moment. Mm -hmm. And over time, she developed a relationship to her captor. It, It doesn't matter that he was never supposed to be a beast. He was, you know, under a spell and blah, blah, blah. Right. That was a that was a relationship formed out of trauma, definitely so. And she felt powerless in that relationship, mm-hmm. but she also felt powerless to leave it because even when she was let go, even when she, he said, "Fine, go get out of here, yeah. get out of here," she left, and all she wanted to do was go back and save him. Mm-hmm. Not she she didn't even think about herself in that moment. She went. To, to her dad, but then she wanted to go back and save him. Right. Right. Without yeah. any regard to her safety. Yeah. Or what's best for yeah. her. And we're taught, all we saw was, oh, she's going back and saving her true love, you know? And yeah, it was spun that way. But in reality, that is a message to, <sighs> probably going to get in trouble for this, but to me, that's a message that he beat her down verbally and beat her down verbally and scared her and wouldn't let her stand up for herself. Finally let her go. And all she could think about was going back and saving the person that traumatized her. That's a fucking trauma bond. Oh my gosh. That and is 100% and a that trauma shoved, bond. That's shoved down her throat. Like it's true love. And that's how relationships are. And you can fix the person that's like that. Right. No, no one's going to come in and, Remove the spell from your abusive, narcissistic, piece of shit husband right. and or wife, and suddenly they're this nice prince or princess. Right. That does. That's not going to happen. No. No, not because you have some nice little dance at the ball yeah. and, and share this kiss, and then he turns into Prince Charming. Yeah. Not the actual Prince Charming, but, you know, that's not how that happens. And, and as much as I said earlier, too, as much as I love Disney, that is an unfair representation that that definitely can bleed over into people's perceptions of what's healthy and what's not. Yeah, little girls take that shit in. Right. And they... I literally now can see with my third eye. <laughs> hey, look at you. I can see how they, how we grow up and apply that, even if we don't know we're applying that, to our relationships, our realistic relationships. Oh, for sure. It's subliminal. It's not like we we get yelled at and we're like, oh, this is just like Beauty and the Beast. I'm just going yeah. <laughs> to stick by his side. You're like, a beast, but one day you're going to be a prince. I'm no. going to make you. I'm going to do everything I can yeah. to make you love me so yeah. that you turn into a prince. Yeah, definitely. Right. That's, that's your, hmm. do not go to your verbally abusive, narcissistic piece of shit husband. <laughs> and while they're screaming at you, say, I know that deep inside you're a prince <laughs> and one day 
that spell is going to be removed and you're no longer going to be a narcissistic asshole and we're going to live happily ever after. So I'm going to hang in there. That's not how it's going to work, but that's what we're taught. That's what I did for 22 years. If I just do the right thing, if I just love him right, if I just dress a certain way, if I just did you read enough books and sing while you were reading them? Um, Apparently not. It's so interesting to hear you spin it that way, but I really, really did feel that way. I really felt like, and even one time when I went to therapy, well, not one time, but one episode where I was in therapy, my I asked my therapist, like, my husband won't go to therapy. He doesn't believe in it. He doesn't want to talk about his problems to a stranger. That was his mentality. What can I do to save our marriage? I thought if I just did something differently i could turn that beast into into a prince yeah i really did think that and i really did try and try and try and try and try (laughs) until i ultimately realized it was just never gonna happen how often and we we attribute it to girl emotions all too often how often is it as little girls that think back whether it was with us or whether it was with our daughters where someone that is so wrong and so awful for us is leaving our lives and threatening to leave our lives and doing it in an awful, awful way and breaking our heart instead Mm -hmm. of just being kind and decent human beings and seeing that the person they love in air quotes is literally begging and hurting in front of them. And they're just taking that and gaslighting the fuck out of us in that moment. Mm -hmm. How often do we see those girls and have you been that girl where you're just grasping at it and holding on to it and trying and crying and fixing it. And I, I'll do anything and begging and begging and begging when really my mom should have raised me. Her mom should have raised her. I should have raised my daughters and hopefully my daughters will raise their daughters to say, stop you young lady, you daughter of God or whatever you believe in, you get yourself right the fuck off off this floor. In fact, don't even ever beg like that. Don't ever beg like that because you are worth more than that. If that man, yeah, you're going to experience heartbreak, but never the type of heartbreak where you should be begging for someone that destroyed your heart, took it out of your chest, crumpled it up, shit on it, stomped on it, dug it back up, spit on it, and buried it again. Don't beg for a person like that because they don't deserve your love. Why the fuck aren't we teaching our daughters that? And why aren't we teaching our sons that? Again, I want the male perspective, but I feel like boys aren't as addicted to that Disney. And I only use Disney because that's the We've fairy used a lot tale. of Disney examples. That's yeah. the fairy tale. Uh-huh. But I feel like... Girls are more addicted to that Disney fairy tale, Prince Charming. The the climax of the movie is when the it changes and you know it pivots and all of a sudden it's all better mm-hmm. and it ends in happily ever after. We need to teach our daughters how to be how to value themselves, how to have self-worth, how to know their worth, how to know what they bring to the table, so that if the other person can't fucking match that yeah it's gonna hurt and yeah i might cry a little bit but i'm damn sure not gonna beg for you 
No, and especially not begging for just basic human decency. Exactly. You never... Basic human decency. Yeah. You never should let yourself be okay with a situation where you just have to beg to not be yelled at, to not be screamed at, to be Mm -hmm. listened to. To not be called a bitch. To not be called a fucking bitch. I... I would try to express my emotions and then get stopped with shut the fuck up, you fucking bitch, all the time. Like, I couldn't even get a sentence out. I'm the mother of your fucking children, and that's what you're going to say to me? Right. And then you're going to turn around and tell me you love me? Yeah. No. (laughs) Yeah. That's fucking with my head, And then I get to those highs, and I'm like, oh, I forgot all about that. Right. I think there's so much more that, that... our generation and our our kids can do to the generations coming up to change this. We've got to, yes, a Disney movie and notebook, the notebook and twilight and all these romantic rom-com, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. all of this bullshit love that Hollywood puts out there is nice to watch. And it's a, an escape. But it should be seen as an escape because reality is nothing like that. Right. There's the one-off, but we're not going to count the one-off when it doesn't include the majority. Right. It is not like that. It takes work by both parties. No one should be begging for basic human decency. And if you are, that is not the right love for you. That is not the right relationship for you. And have enough human decency and self-respect to pick yourself up and go, you know what? Get the fuck out. I'm going to cry for a minute, but by God, there's there's people out there who are going to treat me a hell yeah. of a lot better. And be more predictable because I'm tired of your unpredictable ass behavior. Absolutely. Because crying for a few minutes or a few days or even a few weeks is so much better than getting yourself into a situation where you lose your self-worth and then you're crying for years and years and years yeah. while you feel stuck in a situation you that you... fucking decades. Yeah, absolutely. And sticking with the, the Disney theme, I will say that there's been a conscious push for them to change their narrative in the last, like, I'm going to say around 10 years or so, where where the female role is the lead or the female role is complete without some man coming in and saving her. Yeah. And so I, I think we're, we're swinging the right way. We just still have a lot of work to go to make, you know, to make the movies representative of people having self-worth and, and vice versa, you know, so that we're, we're all expecting more of ourselves mm-hmm. and, and I think the next generation is going to get that right. I really do. At least do. for us, because I, I can't speak for everyone's <laughs> families because everyone's in a different place with what they're dealing with. But for us, our kids have watched what we went through. And I don't think they'll make that same mistake because they've been scarred by it, too. True. But I think we need to make sure. I think we need to stay on top of that. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And going back to that Disney thing, I fully see that and I fully agree. I think with Frozen, they started. They fucked it up with Anna and Hans. They always have to throw that in there. Right. But that was at least a push. I think Maleficent, they did a little bit better. Mm-hmm. The second Maleficent, they... 
put their spin on it again. Oh, where, yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah, you're because right. Because Maleficent couldn't become the Phoenix until the man. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't even think about that. The You're man right. died, and yeah. all of the energy went into her, and then she could become the phoenix. Mm-hmm. She's motherfucking maleficent. Like she could have gone and done that, you know? right? But they had to throw that in there. So I, I do see that they're trying, but they're they still got to put that little that little old school spin on it. Mm-hmm. And this isn't a man versus woman thing. I don't want no, that to be not. to be the point. The point is, is that you don't need someone else to save you. Right. You don't need someone else to save you. Whether you're a man or a woman, you don't need someone else to save you. And that needs to be the narrative. Absolutely. It's so much healthier and beautiful when two complete people Mm -hmm. worked on their shit or at least are aware of what they're dealing with. Right. And come together as two humans, not looking for completion, not looking for a, a power, but just being at one in your own power and then bringing that together in, instead of looking for completion in someone else. Right. And it, it, it's a game changer. It's a completely different world. And I feel like that's where hopefully our kids and a lot of the world will go because what's the alternative to continue with this 65% divorce, right? Yeah. Something has to be done or the whole institution of marriage is just going to go away and nobody's going to believe in love anymore. And and so the alternative is for the next generation to get it right, to do it the healthy way. Right. And I agree that it's not on Hollywood. We watch movies again as an escape and I don't want, I like a realistic movie every once in a while, but I also like that movie that, oh, mm-hmm. like, mm, right. I, I, I enjoy that. And, and there should be those type of movies, but I think it's up to us as the non-Hollywood parents and individuals to realize that that is fantasy. Mm-hmm. That is Hollywood. That is happily ever after that doesn't exist in, you know, necessarily in the real world. Mm-hmm. And it's up to us to recognize it and also to discuss it with our children. Like seriously discuss it with right. our children. Right. Yeah. To, to watch the movie and to say, Oh, that was a great movie. Yeah. How realistic do you think that is that yeah. this, this, this happened? And because if you take that and you apply it to life, that's when you're going to end up in a trauma bond. Mm-hmm. Agree. 100%. And the true love side is so much more beautiful yes so much easier and the sex is better (laughs) and there's that (laughs) just gonna put that out there (laughs) so yeah that was episode 13 that was a good one i i like those conversations i like um i like the idea of true love and i i always have i think we all like it and we all hope that it's out there but knowing that it is out there and that there's ways to get there i think is beautiful oh yeah i fully agree well um thanks for joining us so follow us on instagram and facebook it's drunk divorce divas podcast on instagram and facebook it right (laughs) we should know this we we're two buzz balls in yeah we should probably you put drunk divorce divas and i guarantee you're gonna pop up yeah you'll find (laughs) us for sure (laughs) all right have a great week Bye.